0: Welcome to the Bad Roman Podcast. On this show, we talk with veterans, community leaders, Christians, and non-Christians as we explore the entanglement of Christians with the state. The Bad Roman Project was created out of the firm belief that as Christians, we are called to follow Christ, not the state. Here is your
1: host, Craig Hargis. Hey, folks. One of the many things about this project I love is it has introduced me to so many deep thinkers. I've made friends through this project that I may have never had the pleasure of having a conversation with. I came across a Facebook post by Hody Johns, and I was fist-pumping all the way through. So I invited Hody to come on the show and talk more about the command of Christ to love each other as I have loved you. Right. would rather serve God than right. rather Caesar.
0: You know me? Right. Right. I'm I'm just to right. live what he said.
1: Cody, how are you doing, my friend?
0: I am doing awesome, Craig. Thanks so much for having me on. It's been great to it's been great to meet you and get to know you better as I've been following the Bad Roman podcast, the discussion group around. By the way, join both of those. And uh been following you around for I'm a late comer, but a couple of months, and it's been awesome.
1: Well, no, I really appreciate you. So that being said, why don't you uh, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, give us a little background of, of Hody, and whatever you want us to know about you, and then we'll get into this topic, uh, this uh, fantastic Facebook page, or post that I was excited about when I read it, and it was like, I want to talk to Hody more about this, because I made it a point to pick on Christians on this show, I call it one of my spiritual gifts at this point, to pick on Christians, so... When we get into that, we'll get into that, but tell us a little bit about yourself first.
0: I am Hody Johns. I am, uh, currently you may know me, if you're in the Liberty Movement, you know me as the host of Enemy of My Enemy uh, from the We Are Libertarians Network over there with Chris Spangle, Brian Nichols, Remzo Martinez, Trisha Stewart, man, all those great folks. uh, And I have my own show there. We talk about uh, enemy of my enemy is where I get a left libertarian, right libertarian, and myself as a center libertarian, Um, and a mix of anarchists, -anarchists, non-anarchists. We all get together and talk about the news, uh, different perspectives on different subjects. I obviously love and welcome debate. Um, That also is another way you may know me. I was on the speech debate circuit with Liberty University. We won three national titles. Uh, back when I was with the school. Uh, They won another three titles when I was not with the school, so it's just a good program over there. (laughs) As much as I'd love to say it was all me and I put the team on my back, they got a really good program over there. But, uh, you know, Liberty University, Jerry Falwell's Liberty University, I'm sure that's going to come up in a little bit as well. Uh, I got my degree in theology um, and I am, the other way you may know me is I am a writer. I write about video games, largely. That is my... My big paying job over there, I do reviews, I do guides, I do top 10 lists. I just, I, I love to talk about video games. It's been a passion of mine since I was quite young. Learned a lot of lessons from them. Um, and that's kind of the the different sides. Now, as far as what will matter here for this show, additional information for this particular audience is my faith journey. I was a, um, my mom was kind of a loose Christian. My dad was kind of, um indifferent I'll say D- didn't really have much of an opinion um my mom you know of course we had access to bibles but was not like you better be reading better be praying that kind of thing um so it was, it was pretty loose pretty self-guided from a very young age i had an interest i remember uh, reading about heaven and hell when i was really young and my mom was just kind of like oh yeah so, you know some people think it's real and i'm like well do you and she's like yeah i do and i'm like all right well if this is real and this is eternity then this is probably the most important thing in the world, right? And this is my, I haven't even gone to kindergarten yet. And I got i got a hold of Bibles and I was reading through, not understanding the Bible at all, of course. But, you know, I, I read a, uh, uh, it was a picture Bible, but it was, it was more like a fully illustrated Bible. But I read that even before I went to kindergarten, well before I graduated elementary school, I'd read like a whole uh, NIV Bible. I've read a good news Bible um, at around the same time. And, uh, I'd been through the Bible a couple of times. I was just very fascinated by religion in general. Um, even when I went to college, I started getting, uh, tripped up on agnosticism, atheism. Um, you know, wasn't, I, I, I wasn't sure about all of the claims that were made in the Bible. I wasn't sure that the life was for me. Um, I did end up becoming Mormon. Uh, I did, uh, I was a member of the LDS faith for, uh, gosh, I want to say about 15 years. Um, and then I, I had a falling out with them a couple of years back and I'm downgrading myself to just kind of regular Christian. That being said, what churches have I been to and where have I been to them? I've been all over this great country, Craig. I've been, uh. California, Colorado, and then when I was on the restaurant circuit, and I was still faithful, I was attending churches up in Washington State, um, Dallas, Texas. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't forget East Coast, Pennsylvania, and uh, some family in uh, the the Midwest as well. I have of course my Indiana friends, and I, I've gone over there and, and taken partaking in a few church services over there as well. And I think this location is important because we're going to talk a little bit about Christian culture. And it differs from place to place, but there are enough similarities that uh, that you can kind of point to, and differences where you kind of look back at ten years ago and you're like, "Is Christianity in the same place?" And it is. It's
1: it's it's a change. <laughs> but there you go. That's my that's my big old journey. I think it's great that it's changing. And, you know, a lot of when you when you talk to Christians and and when you get into these these types of conversations with Christians. A lot of them are still stuck in the mud. And that's okay. I mean, it's okay if if you're comfortable in in, in that spot. But the thing is, Jesus was never stuck in the mud. Jesus kept walking. Jesus kept talking. He kept moving. He did not just stay, well, in this one spot. Well, this is how it is. He kept talking to folks because he was moving around like you were just talking about it changes from place to place in this country. And that's, that's such a great point because I think that's something that is missed by a lot of Christians. Like I, I live in Tennessee right now. I grew up in Texas. I spent 25 years in Arkansas before I moved to Tennessee. So the Christian culture in my mind is pretty similar from Texas to Arkansas to Tennessee. Right? So, I kind of understand where a lot of these Christians are coming from because I was stuck in that mud with them. Here's the thing. They're wrong, especially when it comes to loving one another as Jesus commanded us. And that's something that we're going to get into with this conversation. Before we get into that, I I want to say this. You said something about being with that bunch where y'all debated and you're okay about it. Hody, you're not somebody that I would, and I love debating folks. But you're not somebody that I am interested in debating. And thankfully, everything you talk about, I'm on board with. So I don't have to debate Hodi on, on, on social media about any of this stuff. But and <laughs> but I, I appreciate how you will put yourself out there on social media because I think more Christians need to do that. They put them, you need to put yourself out there just so we can stir a conversation. Even if we're wrong about it, then we're gonna find out, well, maybe I was wrong about this. And I can learn something from somebody else. But you're not afraid to put yourself out there. and You're not afraid to start a conversation and get people thinking. Because that's what Jesus was doing when he was asked questions. He was getting people thinking. He was not going and giving people answers. He was asking questions. And that's what you're doing with your, with your social media. And I appreciate that so much. You're, you're, you're getting people to think about something. Whether they agree with you or not, at least... They're walking away thinking about what Hody had to say. And I'm not comparing you to Jesus Christ by any means, you know, and I think you know that. But you have a way of getting folks to think when you put your post out there. <clears throat> and I appreciate it. I, I really do appreciate your approach and the, and the way you can bring folks from the right. You can bring folks from the left. You can bring folks from the, from the middle. And they come and converge on, on one of your posts and everybody's talking. I've watched it go down on, on your social media and I, and, I, and I love it so much because I, could I can just sit there and read the thread and watch how people are maybe they're fighting with one another, but at the same time they they' when they're done fighting, they have their walking away. As, and I know that they're still thinking about something. there's something that's going on in their brain that's and I appreciate that so much about the way you approach these these kinds of topics. Thank you. You know it's uh,
0: n- almost nobody changes their mind in, in the moment. You know, when you have a conversation, myself included, Uh, and I'm I'm about as open minded as they get and I'll change. But even when I left the LDS church, it's not like it's not like I left over a single conversation or like one. We love these, the idea that you say one magic thing and then that thing, all of a sudden they're like, Oh, you're right. Let me drop all this stuff and I'm going this way. (laughs) You know, like you gotta, you gotta wrestle with it for a bit, you know? And I think when I started to have my doubts, the falling out process probably took an entire year. And this isn't a matter of stupidity. It's just human nature, you know, that we need a second to think about things. So I know that there's a lot of people right now that I'm reaching that, that they may not be in a place to accept what is said today, and maybe I'm not in a place to accept what they're saying today, but, you know, we we leave, we munch on it a little bit, and then we kind of say, okay, you know what, the more I apply this value... And, and I mean, this is actually a very biblical process. How do you find out what the good fruits are? Well, you plant a seed, you water it, you fertilize it, you make it grow up, then you get to taste the fruits. Well, how long is, how long a, di- a, a time frame is there between you planting the seed, then taking care of it and then tasting the fruit? You know, when people realize a new concept, you don't get to taste the fruit right away. You're dealing with seeds. You know, I'm handing out seeds to people. And so... Um you know the the I think it's funny that it took so long for me to find this group uh because it's really up my alley, like you are having a lot of conversations with a lot of different people that come from different backgrounds and welcoming the discussion while at the same time still having opinions of your own and I think that that's important now, obviously, is there a moment where somebody's just being so unbelievably rude? Look, we're talking about religion. There are some people who just can't handle it. You know, right. I can tell you one of the, you know, when somebody, when you have an area of expertise and somebody who has no expertise starts yakking about it and you're like, I'm not coming at this as like a master. I'm, I am forever a student in Christianity and, and in the world really, And you know, oh, my mind is open. I'm looking around me. I want to know more. I want to understand more, but it's clear when somebody is just there to be disruptive, has no interest in information they are there to sow discord, you know, or they are there as Pharisees, frankly, a lot of the time to just say, I'm looking for problems with you. And I'm like, I'm not here to have problems. I'm here to have conversations. I'm here to talk with people, you know? So I, I'm, if, if you're here to cause problems, like that's kind of the, the, there is obviously a point where I say we got to go our separate ways. But other than that, I'm, I'm proud of having a, a group that does have these conversations. Cause I think the more we talk about them, The more we learn to think for ourselves, and that's been a problem for, and this is not a recent problem for Christians, whenever people get to do the faith part for us, whether it's the Levites or the Pharisees or the Catholic Church during the Dark Ages or Jeremiah Wright or Westboro Baptist Church within the last couple of decades. if you As soon as you let somebody else do the theological thinking for you, somebody is going to do it wrong, and you do not want to follow those people.
1: Right, and I, you, you mentioned the Pharisees, and I—I I don't know how many times recently, you know, especially with this project, not just recently, but since we started this project, I don't know how many times I have been in a conversation with a a, a a professing Christian, and I'm like, "You sound like a modern day Pharisee to me," and if you really want to ruffle some feathers, call him a Pharisee that's really not ruffling feathers when you look at the things that Jesus would call them he wouldn't call them modern day Pharisees he'd call them fools vipers brood <laughs> vipers you know even the word the the language that Jesus used when he was talking to people who were religious folks he was he did not hold back on it and I try to and I'm not good at it but I try to hold my tongue on some certain things because i, I I was, I was just talking to somebody last night about this. I'm, I'm very careful about not wanting to be a stumbling block to somebody that is coming into the faith. Now, when you get in these conversations like we're fixing to have about already Christians, I'm not going to hold my tongue. And I don't think we should. I think we should have these conversations like, hang on a second, you're acting like a fool. You sound like a viper. You sound like a modern day Pharisee. If we, if we hold our tongue, they're not going to learn anything from it. And listen, when I'm saying this, I want folks to understand that I want people to call me the same thing if they see me acting this way. If they see me behaving in a way that is contrary to the teachings of Christ, tell me. Because I can get lost in my own little head about things and think i got it all figured out. And if you're a Christian listen to this right now, do you think you've got all of this figured out? i got something to tell you. You do not have this figured out. This is this is a process this is something that we're going to work through the entire time we're on this earth and I even believe you know this has caused us a lot of conflict with the, with the whole Universalist uh, episode that we released I even think that this goes beyond death there's a process that we're still trying to be trying to figure out and the patience and the grace of God is something that we cannot fathom and I and I I think we should be thankful for that. And not think that it, that this process ends right now. And I'm getting on a whole different tangent, and I, and I apologize. But I think it's something we need to recognize very quickly as Christians that this is a process. As long as we're here, even after we're gone, the Bible says Jesus said, "Everybody will be salted by fire," and salt is good. We need to keep that in mind, and that should that happens on this earth, that happens after we're gone from here. And I think, honestly. We should be thankful for that. And it's something Abby mentioned in that episode when she said, you know, I don't worry about it because I know who God is. It might be rough, but I know who God is, so I'm not worried about it. And I don't think we should worry about it as Christians. Now, that being said, what was Jesus' command? To love one another and love your enemy. Let's get into this topic. I want to know... I don't know if you remember because this you made this post here a while back, but I'm kind of curious if you remember what it, it was there something that was going on that you was like, I gotta make a Facebook post about this. And you made this long post, and so we're gonna we're gonna kind of dissect this post here as we talk about this. But was there something going on that you saw with Christians? Do you remember, you know, that was what was something that was going on that, that made you want to make this post?
0: Yeah. Um I'll rewind just a second just to say, because I think I think this is connected to what you're saying here as far as the eternal nature of learning, where you're always, like you said, I don't think it ends here. Well, there's no way it ends here. Where was Christ for the three days in between his death and resurrection? He was witnessing to the souls in hell. That's not like some weird pseudo, you know, that's that's right there in the Bible. He's saving souls that have gone to spiritual prison. So if this is the end, right? <laughs> if this is it, and you don't get to progress after you're dead, you're either immediately in heaven or hell, which is a goofball, kind of one of those things that as soon as you study theology, it's like, oh, wait a minute, there's a whole other day of judgment that's way out there. But there's actually things happening with the souls even beyond the veil. Anyway, the, the thing is, is that nature of learning being eternal means you got to keep your spirit open you got to be looking. you got to be in the world and not of the world. Christians really have a tough time balancing those two. And it's supposed to be a tough thing. You know, if you're in the world, you're going to sin. And if you sin, you're in danger of becoming of the world. But if you decide, hey, like, I'm going to try to do this anyway, that's okay. This is why sin isn't one of those like, oh, sin, end of the world. You sinned, it's over. You know, it's like, no, you sinned because you're part of this world. That's life. And now it's your recovery process. And by the process of sinning and recovering, that's how you become better. So with what I was going through here is just, I've been so tired of Christians wielding hate and fear as some type of conversion mechanism or some type of identity. When in reality, I mean, and we all know what hate is, you know, like, you know it when you see it, you feel it. We've all experienced hate before anger, resentment, dislike, all these things that we know, take the Bible or just take common sense that we know involve hate. And, you know, as Christians, we say these things come from the devil, right? Because God is perfect and he's not going to do anything bad. So all these things are evil, right? And we see these evil things. And so when you see Christians wielding this like a weapon, especially to do something political, Or to try and establish why, you know, they're better than everybody else or why they have it all right and you have it all wrong. There is, love is the highest commandment. I mean, when, when they said, well, what's the most important commandment? Christ gave two that involved love, right? Loving God and loving your neighbor. We say God is love. So there's that. And then my command is this. What's in the Bible? Love each other as I have loved you. Well, how did Christ love you? Well, he died for you while you were still in sin, right? He gave his life for you. He loves you that much. Would you give your life for someone that you're in a Facebook argument with right now or that you're kind of not being very cool to, right? And I see a lot of Christians who just, they're so, I think hate is almost more natural to most mainstream Christians than love is. And that's a real scary thing when you look around. And that's one of the things that I've noticed that has changed as I've gone around different churches, that hate has crept in there. And it's kind of escalated a a little bit because the thing about love is a lot of people say, well, love is just love is not just the absence of hate. And this gets largely into why is Jesus not the anti-Satan? Satan Satan is the anti-Christ. Because love is the thing. Hate is trying to take claw away at that thing. What Christians, especially Western Christians, have this, have this issue, is we want to not step on a landmine. We want to say, oh, that's hate. I don't want to step on that. Where in reality, what we're looking for that is that narrow path. We want to say, you know, we want to make it like, oh, here's the places that it's not okay. But generally everything else is okay. Right? Like, I don't, okay, having adultery is bad. All right, like sexual immorality is bad. Okay, but that's not what it means to be a Christian. When you're married as a Christian, it's love your wife, give them everything. Give your spouse every part of you. Become one flesh, be financially honest with them, be all this, and it's this narrow path. So actually this goodness is the path. And hate is a lot of everything else, right? That's the wide road. That's the the big gate. That's the easy one to get into. You know, so what Christians are is they say, well, I don't think I'm being very hateful right now, unless it is aggressively loving to the point, if you read about Christ's life and the healing that he was doing, I mean, he healed the ear of somebody who took him away to be crucified, right? Forgave Pontius Pilate. The dude was ridiculously good to people that were in the process of murdering him, right? And so if you read that and you say, that is love, what path is your church on right now? Answer the question honestly, if you're listening to this. what what with the Christians that you hang out with if you're not a churchgoer, where are you guys at right now? are you are you being that aggressively loving, or are you just saying, "Oh, I don't think that's technically hateful." As soon as you've had to argue that you're not being technically hateful, you've completely lost the plot. That's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is a direction. And this very narrow path, this very, a, a great path, it's a diverse path. Don't get me wrong, right? Like everybody's got this great personal journey with God, but it is this re, it's this tight, like, Hey, love is a real thing. And it's not just the absence of hate. And Christians have gone to a place since, uh, since I've been a Christian where we've gone from expressing love to I don't think I'm technically being hateful to kind of this point now where there's a lot of denominations that are just outright, yeah, God's a nationalist or yeah, like, you know, I got, opposes illegal immigration or God is really opposed to trans people. And, and this is not exclusive to the right wing. Cause this post that we're talking about here, Craig, I, I talk about Jeremiah, Wright too, right? This is, there is real hate from both left wing and
1: right wing Christians. I kind of want to drill down on that for a second because, and you mentioned Westboro Baptist a little earlier. Yeah. You you bring up both. You bring up Jeremiah Wright in this post and you bring up Westboro Baptist. It's something that we hear a lot about. We hear about Westboro Baptist and a lot of non-Christians look at somebody or a group like the Westboro Baptist and they lump all Christians into, but nobody from that same bunch, is talking about Jeremiah Wright. And I appreciate the fact that you brought both of these groups or these these folks into this conversation because it's missed. It's missed that people can be hateful even on the left. Now, I've got some things in common with, with left-leaning Christians. I've got things in common with right-leaning Christians. But I can find fault in both sides, and I hate using left-leaning Christian or right-leaning Christians because it puts Christians on a political spectrum, and we should not be on a political spectrum when it comes to Christianity. We have no king but Christ. That is our political spectrum. If, if we're going to be if if, if we're going to be honest about all this, our political spectrum is no king but Christ. Not well. I'm a left-leaning Christian, so I agree with this, and I'm going to disagree with this stuff on the right, vice versa. I, I get tired of these th- these games between both sides, fight with each other. I'm like, hang on a second. Where's Jesus at in your conversation right now? You know, and you've been very vocal, and not to get too far off topic, but with this whole thing with Biden forgiving student loan debt, there's no forgiveness. It's still being put on the backs of somebody somewhere that this was not forgiven, but I, 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 see it a lot on, and I'm using air quotes on the left leaning Christians right now, name dropping Jesus Christ and the forgiveness that he gave us and comparing it to this. And I'm like, Whoa, I don't know if there's anything more, I get called a heretic all the time, but I don't know if there's anything more heretical Then comparing the works of the state to what Jesus did with His forgiveness of our debt to God, you can't. To me, I, I apologize. I'm not trying to get on this tangent about this, but it's something I brought it up because I see it so much right now, right now at this very moment. People arguing on the left and the right about this, but hang on a second. We shouldn't be on the left or the right. We should be Jesus centric, right here in the middle. Jesus Christ is our king anyway.
0: Oh, it's okay. It's part of that narrow path, right? Don't fall off to the left. Don't fall off to the right. It's really easy to do. The left loves to pretend it has a monopoly on love. And and they'll harp on, and in fairness to them, usually Christians that are being highly hypocritical, and make a, make a martyr of them and stand them up and just say, you know, hey, look at this. Loser Christian, right? Like, look at this te- person being a terrible Christian. I'm the exact opposite of them. Well, this is why I say that Jesus is not the anti Satan. Satan's the anti Christ, right? If you are defined, you are still defined by what you hate if you become anti blank, right? Like, Satan is completely in control of Christ because he's the anti, because he's the anti Christ, right? So God knows what he's going to do, right? Whereas if you are on your own thing, if you have become a new creation, then you're not doing then you're not just being anti-left or anti-right you know you've you've developed your own identity in Christ you know you have your own uh you we talk about the church as the body of Christ you you are your own person right your own individual and uh you know you we all have different strengths and weaknesses and it's good that we use those to work together towards a single function of healing and being good to people and preaching love. I mean, we're told in the Bible that Christ spoke nothing but parables to people, right? Nothing but parables. Not once did he go, oh, let me get into some scriptural whatever with you, unless he was in the presence of Pharisees or the disciples or something like that. But we are told it actually says Christ only spoke in parables, like in public, right? And so that these stories of love and goodness are, are what are all he spoke. So if we are not speaking these stories that talk about what love and goodness are, are we really following the example of Christ? And if not, shouldn't we be doing that again? Right. Taking real stories that are relatable and then saying, which of these was this man's neighbor? You know, when you talk about the left um, I mean, they just, they do love this, this monopoly on love Um, that this idea that the Republicans are hateful and that we over here we're doing we're the good guys we're trying to forgive your loans. you are not. You're passing the buck over to everybody else, right? That's that's kind of anti-christic because Christ forgave. He gave Himself to forgive. This goes back to animal sacrifice. Some some poor sap has to pay the the price for your sins, right? Uh, for you know if you're on the left, oh well, you took out a loan. Well, let's make some other poor sap pay for it. Well, that's that's not the message of christianity the message is when you say when you say hey you should let let people's debts go that's a personal choice you know that's on our part that's what makes it moral because you say i had the choice not to and i did it anyway we're told this is what even makes christ the christ because he had the choice to say i will give myself unto death or he could have called a thousand angels down to save himself from the cross and it's that choice, that ability to say, no, I'm not going to do the right thing that makes it the right thing. You know, so when you say I force these other people to pay for this thing, well, that's, that's not moral, right? What makes it moral is people having the choice and choosing to do it, you know, and, and I think that we would really transform as Christians, we would transform the landscape of American politics if we decided to say, hey- We're going to operate on a completely different system. Give unto Caesar what's due Caesar. Give him his coins. Let him play around with this little cute economic system. We're going to do something completely different. We're not going to operate that way. You know, we're not using coins and money and cash with your favorite dead president on it. we, We have a different currency.
1: Without going too far into this topic about this whole debt forgiveness thing that Biden is pushing, I got into a debate, debate, air quote, debate with somebody on somebody else's post about this. And she said, I have just, and I told her, I said, listen, if you want to go pay somebody's student loan off, I applaud you. I think that is virtuous. I think that is a great, I I think that's awesome. And I couldn't applaud you more for it. And she responded with, um, I appreciate you giving me permission which I wasn't doing, I was applauding her idea of wanting to pay somebody else's debt off. But she said, I've decided to pay my taxes to pay somebody else's loan off. And before I could come back with, she stopped the conversation because I was going to come back with this. And I'm pretty sure she's not going to listen to this show. But just by by chance, I had to say this. Are you also okay with paying your taxes to the state so they can use that money to go slaughter somebody else in another country because they're doing that as well. There, there's my mic drop. That's, uh, I'm, I'm, that, I'm, I'm ending that debate right now with that, with that right now, because I don't think that they people take take that into, into context when they're talking about this. It sounds great. Well, we're forgiving these loan debts, which we all know that they're predatory. And the state is probably the biggest predator out there, and they don't do anything. Do you? Th- <laughs> do you honestly believe, knowing the state as we know the state? I don't care if you're on the left, the right, in the middle, whatever. There's there's years and years of history about government. To think that they're not going to recoup this somehow, come on, this is this is naivety at at its at its highest level, and we should not we should not ignore it. And just pretend that this is going away because the state is doing something virtuous. The state does not do anything virtuous. Period. There's there's my there's my final take on that. Let's move on because I want there's something that you said in this post. You said just before Wright, the Westboro Baptist Church came up. They unfortunately wouldn't be the last church founded in hate. Today I have almost daily announcements in my feed about some Christian church announcing their enemies be that gay people, trans people, woke people, Im- immigrants, etc. And I love this because this is something that I, I find common ground with the left on, okay? And I I keep using air quotes. We don't share video, but I'm, I'm when I say the left, I'm using air quotes. When I say the right, I'm using air quotes. Now, this is some common ground I find with the left when it comes to stuff like this because I don't care if a person's gay. I don't care if they're trans. I do, however, care... If somebody wants to come from Mexico to better their lives, I don't call them immigrants, they're human beings, and they're crossing an imaginary line. Now you get to folks on the right who are against this. Well, they should just obey the law. If they're going to come into this country, they should do it by the law. What law? What law? The law of God or the law of the state? These folks are trying to come across. And make a better life for their children, for their wives, for their husbands, for their cousins, whoever. I've worked with folks who came across the border and they're sending, they're making good money here in America. And they're sending the majority of that money back to their families so their families can eat. That's all they're trying to do is eat. They're trying to feed themselves. And it brings up a lot of hate with Christians when it comes to this topic. And I don't understand it. Because they don't look like you. Because they don't live like you. They were still, they're they still image bearers of God. God still created them. Why are we hateful to them? Go ahead and talk about that for a second.
0: By the law, ye are condemned. So says the scriptures, right? So this is about Christian law or, or Jewish law that you're condemned. Okay. And we accept that those are probably better laws than the government right? So if you are condemned by Christian law, how much more are you condemned by government law then? So when you say, oh, well, they should have just obeyed the law. Yeah. The laws that killed Jesus Christ, (laughs) the laws that tax people into oblivion, the laws that allow invaders sitting around your land, which laws? Screw your laws, right? Like, I mean, this is even something that Christians, the, the Bible can almost be summarized as a story of people that tried to justify themselves based on some kind of moral law and then kept changing it and kept revising it and saying, what is the law? What is the law? What is the law? And then having the final purpose be like, the law are just these baby steps so that you guys finally develop a conscience, learn to get led by the Holy Spirit. People look at the, the God leading the Jews in the wilderness. Uh, with pillars of fire and smoke, right? And we we love this story for some reason. But in reality, God didn't want to do it, right? He has a real problem with it and he lets it be known. I don't want to be doing this. In fact, if that's God's guidance, he's leading them in circles for 40 years in a trek that that should not take 40 years, right? So this is not a good thing. It's funny that we say this. Oh, I want to follow this pillar of light and smoke because I want to follow this law and and God in the wilderness is is making them spend time to all of a sudden get de-Phariseed, get de-Pharaohed, right? It's funny they have the same prefix, Pharaoh and Pharisees, and then we weren't <laughs> supposed to, we weren't supposed to expect that the one was like the other, right? But like they they have this slave mentality, which, and in fairness to them, they were slaves, right? And that takes a while. Maybe I'll even say something on this podcast that doesn't sound right. Things take a while. We talked about that even before we opened the show. You got to sit with something for a minute for it to become the truth, you know. And so maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, "Well, my church says no immigrants," you know, or or generally the culture, especially because a lot of times it doesn't come from the pulpit, you know, especially because there's no Christian law against this kind of thing. But there's this mentality, kind of this upswell, where you can tell. If you were like, yeah, we got to get that border up, that people will be like, oh yeah, for sure, right? And it's like, well, who? Okay, then where have you placed your faith? You know, if it's in politicians to protect you and to protect this country, then I th- I would say your faith is misplaced. It's supposed to be in Jesus Christ, right? Like if if immigrants people are saying, oh well, the immigrants are going to mob and they're going to turn us into Mexico, why would they do that, right? Because if you are a Christian then you have something that no earthly thing can defeat. I mean, Christianity turned from a dead guy in a tomb and a couple of scared, you know, acolytes into like the largest religion in the world. So how did that happen? Well, it didn't happen by accident. It happened by this culture. Christians had no single state for a very long time. And in fact, Christianity got markedly worse when they started getting a hold of states. The heydays of Christianity are when we've been stateless, is when we've been on our own. You know, when are the Jews doing the most growing? It's when they're in that wilderness. We look at things like the Ten Commandments and manna and the pillar of fire, and we say, well, these are really cool things. God didn't want to do any of that. God's reluctant to give out the Ten Commandments. God is reluctant to put to, to give them manna. He's like, I am doing this because I have to do this. My goal is for you to do this eventually. Eventually, you will be able to take care of of yourselves as I'm taking care of you. You keep turning to the Levites and saying, give us these laws. And these laws change chapter to chapter. Good luck reading Leviticus and telling me what the penalty for for theft is. It changes. <laughs> it changes chapter to chapter. Is this because God is experiencing rapid changes and just... Happens to contradict himself week to week? No, it's because mankind, even people that try their best, are saying, well, this theft, it really made sense to kill the guy, right? Because this was like a totally debased, terrible thing. This theft, all of a sudden, I don't want to kill the guy anymore because he's trying to feed his family. They're both still bad, but like all of a sudden, my will to murder all thieves changes a little. And that's a good thing because that's the reason they got led around is it wasn't until Joshua where they get into the promised land, because why? All of a sudden it's like, that's when they realize, oh, I got to lead with my heart and not by the rule of law, even laws that I find to be moral. So this is really it for Christian anarchists, right? Because even the most moral laws, walking hand in hand with God, guiding by pillars of fire, like confrontation with God and and conversation does not get more direct than this. And even they had gone astray when they tried to turn the will of God into law. And if they can't do it, what hope do you have today of doing it? You don't have that pillar of fire in front of you. You don't have manna from heaven. God's not (laughs) writing stuff on stones for you. So you think that, that these people who were mis- who misguided themselves with the rule of law and it kept them locked into a desert wilderness because they tried to convert the will of God into law. You think that you today as Christians are going to be able to make laws without the pillar of fire, without walking hand in hand God with this complex, unbelievably complex legal system that we have? There is no chance that you are going to be able to promote Christian values that way. It didn't work in a centrally, theocratic, guided by God, hand-in-hand hand moment, it's definitely not going to work in American democracy.
1: It reminds me of something, and I don't know if you ever listened to uh, Joe Rogan or not, but it reminds me of something he said, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, and I'm probably going to butcher this quote, but he said, laws are a lot of things written down on paper. Now, let's try to figure out what is Right. Like we can write down a lot of things on paper, like the United States constitution was written down on parchment, right? It was written down. Human beings can't even follow their own rules that they write down when it comes to politics. So the idea that we're going to be able to change things (laughs) through law, even if we're walking, like you just said, walking hand in hand with God what, what, who do you think you are at this point? Who do you think you are, Christian, at this point, when you can read this in scripture and realize, oh, they're not going to change the will of God because they wrote down something or they decided to, to make a law. that did not, your law did not change the will of God. The will of God is to love one another. It was a commandment of God to love one another. Jesus Christ Himself, I command you. To love one another.
0: Love is a is the command,
1: guys. <laughs> if
0: if God if God is love, then you can't do anything but love, or else you are worshiping
1: someone else. That's it. That should be the mic drop right there for every Christian. It, does it look like love when we write this law down? If not, then it's not of God. It's of man. It's of the Antichrist. It's not of God Himself. And I I think that's I think that is missed so much with Christians these days because they forget that they're not God. Christians tend to think that they're they're God (laughs) because you call yourself a Christian. Come on. Christians have been some of the most hateful people through history. We've seen it. This is something that I that I struggled with whenever I would early on. I mean, before the project, very early on in my in my Understanding of 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 the Bible. And I still I I didn't get it. I I was not getting it, but it was something that was always brought up by non believers. Well, explain the crusades to me. They called themselves Christians. And I'm like, well, yeah, maybe they weren't Christians. And I had that in the back of my head. Maybe they weren't really Christians. Maybe they weren't really Christians. And you know, you can call yourself a Christian, but if it's not backed by the love of God, are you really a Christian? And I really don't care if that bothers some folks when I say that, but are you really a Christian? You call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ who commanded love one another, love your God, but are your actions showing that love? Are you really a Christian? And I'm not saying you don't believe in Christ. I'm not saying that whatsoever. Satan believes in Jesus. He knows that Jesus exists. But is are is the actions backed by love? And I'm not calling you Christians. I'm not calling you Satan either. And I'm not. Don't don't mis, misunderstand this. But are you really a Christian if you're not at least moving towards love? We're not going to get it. We're not going to figure this out right now. We're trying. They say that God knows the heart of a human being. We can say a lot of words, but He knows what's inside. And what our our actual motivation is. And you can say a lot of things. You can portray yourself as a Christian, but if it's not motivated by love, are you really being Christ-like? I'm not saying you're not a Christian. Maybe I should rephrase that. Maybe you are a Christian, but are you being motivated by love? Are you being motivated by the love of Christ? We should really drill down on that and we should really take that very seriously when it comes to, are they seeing the love of Christ? Are they seeing Craig being pissed off and not showing the love of Christ. What are they seeing? Because Jesus said, they'll know you. They'll know me by seeing you. Well, what are we portraying as Christians? What are we portraying? Hey folks, Craig here. And I'd like to let y'all know we are always looking for writers to contribute to our blog. I don't care if you have any experience or not. Two or three of our contributors have no prior experience writing and it turns out they have a real knack for it. Our project coordinator helps them put the articles together, and she publishes them on our website and Facebook page, and you will also have the option to come on the show and go more in-depth about your article. So if you like what we're doing at The Bad Roman, and would like to try your hand at writing, then send us an email at thebadromanpodcast at gmail.com. We're having a blast with this project, and we would love for you to join us in helping promote it. Now back to the show. I want to say I want I want to bring something up in your in your post. Because I think this is what we just talked about is a good segue. It is that of course this coincides with a drop in people who say they believe in God. When people who profess to believe in God become so full of anger, hate, and politics, Christians don't want any business with it. We know what Christ commanded of us, and we will not betray that commandment. Some might feel that this is this decline is due to scientific understanding or that schools are indoctrinating kids to be atheists. But the decline is recent, only notably dropping in 2013. It's now at an all-time low. And you see, and I, I don't love that, but I know what you're saying because it's true. Because <clears throat> we see people leaving the church in droves these days. and And churches are panicking. They're panicking at this point, trying to figure out how to keep their pews filled, and so they're they're uh, probably going to lose their principles somewhere along the way because they're trying to keep attendance up. But there's a reason why people are walking away from the church. There's a reason why I don't go to church on purpose. There's a reason why because I don't want to sit, and I've, I've said this a number of times on the show. I don't want to sit in that pew. Because I know I'm sitting there judging people because I know what's going on in their minds when they're listening to this pastor up there with his hate-filled message. And they're amening, clapping, you know, celebrating what he's saying. And I'm judging, I don't want to I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be sitting there judging people in a pew because that's not who Craig wants to be. The problem is, I would love, this maybe it's not a problem, I would love to go to church. I would love to be a part of a community of believers in a church building. It's a building. It's a building. I would love to go to a building and and worship alongside with folks. But I don't think these folks are portraying the love of Christ. It, it looks good on, on face, but if you get them behind in, in conversations after the message is, is preached. And you hear the things they're saying. I'm like, this is gross. I had these conversations with folks at work that are professing Christians. This guy at work, said, I he invited me to his church service prior to Easter. It's a Baptist church. And I came from Southern Baptist. And I pick on the Southern Baptist a whole lot. And I know I've got folks who listen to the show that are Southern Baptist. And I love y'all with my whole heart. But I know how they think. And I asked him, I said, is it a Southern Baptist church? And he said, well, no, it's a Baptist church, but it's not Southern Baptist because, well, those Southern Baptists are letting queers in their church. And he said that right to my face. And I don't know what I looked like. I don't know what my face looked like when he said that. I'm pretty sure my jaw hit my my chest. I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. I expected it. I didn't say anything. But when I hear that from a professing Christian, are you telling me <clears throat> that Jesus does not want gay people in a building worshiping him, portraying the love of Christ because they're gay? Come on, man Christian. What are you what are you what are you why are you saying that to me? And when you say that to me in a private conversation, How are you portraying? How are you looking at people in your own church that you disagree with? What are you doing? Jesus hung out with prostitutes. He hung out with tax collectors. You know, as anarchists, we're against taxes. Taxation is theft. But guess what? Jesus hung out with them. He did not spend time shunning them. Well, you're not welcome to this church because you're a tax collector. You're not welcome to this church because you're gay. No, he hung out with them. And we as Christians should be hanging out with these folks on purpose. We should make it a point to hang out with these people on purpose to show the love of Christ. And now without getting into a debate whether homosexuality is wrong or right, I don't care. It's none of my business what a person does behind closed doors. I don't care. And I get this from from Christians too. Well, I'm tired of being shoved down my throat. Well, ignore it. Nobody's shoving that down your throat. Ignore it. If it bothers you, just ignore it. Just don't what's it matter? All you can do is portray the love of Christ. That's what you can do and see what happens because the power of God, if it's if it's wrong, let's 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 say for a second that homosexuality is wrong. Okay. Now what? Does that does if that's a sin, is it different than your sin of judging that human being? Jesus said He who is without sin cast the first stone and they all walked away. Every one of them walked away and it was with a prostitute was somebody who committed adultery, right? And they all walked away. They all walked away because they could not cast the first stone because they are not without sin. Stop judging a human being because their sin is different than yours. If it's a sin, it's no different than your sin. Be a Christian. Portray the love of Christ. I apologize. That's my tangent. Go ahead, Hody.
0: You're fine. Uh, there are three times uh, that happen in, in it's, it's more than three times because we have the Gospels, right? So we get each account four times. So you got like 12 times in the Bible where the apostles, like me, remember when I said I was a kid, you know, and I was like, oh, I really want to make sure I go to heaven. So I relate to the apostles a lot because three times they approach Jesus Christ. And they're like, hey, I just kind of want to make sure this heaven thing is like in the bag. So like, how do I get there? And how does Jesus answer them? Does he say, oh, by believing in me? Oh, by following me, by doing what I say? No, all three times, he says it has to do with how little you judge others and how, how often you forgive them. And one occasion he says, the stick which you use to judge others will be used to judge you. Well, okay, this is a real easy metric, right? Because a lot of people, they love to make the sins all different right? To say like, well, I'm a gossip. Okay. But, but you know, I'm not sleeping around like that girl, right? That tramp, you know? So that, that girl's a tramp, whatever. Like I'm way better than her because the only sin I do is gossip. Okay. Well, what happens if you sin? Even a little bit of sin, how much sin can exist in the presence of God? None, zero, right? So as soon as you have a metric that says, I will judge this much. You can't exist in the presence of God. Just like that. Right? Just like that. And so, yeah, you love to think that, oh, but I don't sleep around. Yeah, but you're judging people for sin, right? And when, as soon as you do that, you're going to hell. Now, again... I don't want to threaten hell over everybody's head because I do think there's paths of redemption, but this is an important thing for Christians to understand that perhaps the most important Salvitic thing, when we talk about Salvitic, what, how you get saved, right? The most important Salvitic agreement is that you don't judge other people. That is mentioned more other times, more often than believing in Christ, more often than him dying for your sins, more often than him being in Gethsemane to suffer the pains of humanity. It is more often in the scriptures, put on you to not judge others, and that is the path to heaven. Right now, I, I too could get into the thing about homosexuality. First of all, if you think if it's a sin, please, please, please follow me on Facebook. Please reach out to me. Please talk to me, because there's some really important things, because I went through most of my life thinking it was a sin. And it wasn't until I left the church and I put my degree to use and said, let's look at this Aramaic. Let's look at this Hebrew. Let's look at this. And honestly, looking at in the, in the mindset that I'm ready to get rid of Christianity. I'm ready. Let's burn this baby down. You know, like I'm going at this intense to find that that that's not the way these verses were interpreted. That's not even how they were understood by the time period. We had practicing homosexual rabbis. We're practicing homosexual posts. The way you think that verse was interpreted at the time, whatever you're thinking of is not it. Now we could go down that rabbit hole, but that's worthy of a whole podcast on its own. There's a handful of verses. It's probably a perfect amount for a podcast, but there's plenty of podcasts that so would cover it. Again, reach out to me.
1: Well, I think actually I, I've seen you post about this, and you 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 it was a beautiful post. And if I really wanted to end this project. I want to have you back on the show and we'll just talk about that because it's so interesting to me that this topic comes up among Christians. And it's got me a lot of pushback. I'm like, why do you care so much if a person is gay? But for some reason, this 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 topic is brought up among Christians all the time. They don't focus on the sins of the state or the sins of you outsourcing your sin to the state of murder and theft because they're stealing and they're killing people. What about your sin of outsourcing? You're outsourcing your sin, but you're going to focus on somebody who is gay. Why is this such a focus among Christians? It's the same thing with pornography. Why is this a focus among Christians? What is going on here? Why aren't you focusing on yourself? Why are you so worried about what somebody else is doing and you can't even fix yourself? And, uh, and like I said, if I wanted to end the Bad Roman Project, I'm going to have Hody on and we're going to talk about homosexuality because I've seen your post about this and it was great because you went down and you got some pushback on it, and but you answered everybody. Honestly, you answered everybody everybody's question. It was a long thread and I appreciate that. Y'all should go back. Yeah, reach out to Hody if you want to talk about this because he will talk to you about it and he's got some very great points about this entire topic. Anyway, keep going.
0: The one that I want to leave on, though, I'll just mention one verse, and it's really easy. And it's in the, so if we'll, we'll just go King James just for fun. But if I say unto you that whosoever is angry, angry with his brother, this is Jesus talking, without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. So he's talking about things that get you sent to hell, right? How, how God all of a sudden judges you. Whosoever is angry with your brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of counsel. Whoever sh- shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. So if you're calling people fools, if you're angry at Adam, or if you call them Raka, right? So those first two, those are pretty, I mean, those are pretty scary as is. Because how often are you, do we as Christians call other people fools? Say, like, you don't get it. You're dumb. You're not smart enough for this. You're not worthy of this. Nope. Jesus didn't even do that. Right? So. That's judgmental stuff right there, guys. And that's the kind of stuff that literally in the Bible says gets is sent to hell. Now, raka is a fascinating word because we used to, it was actually, it's not an English word, obviously. The translators, when they translated it, had no idea what the word meant, which is why they actually left it in as raka, right? So, because they were like, I, I don't know what this is. It's very close to a word that means fool. And we've done some work some anthropological studies. Linguists have got in on this. And Raka was a gay slur during the time period. So literally we have Jesus Christ from his lips saying, if you call people gay slurs, you will be in danger of counsel, is what it says. You are in danger of being judged, right? The onus isn't on them, that gay person. That's, it's on you for judging them right? It's on you for saying, get out of here. Now you're opening up the door to something that is really important here. And that's what I've, we've gone ham on the law, right? We've gone ham talking about why law is no good, right? And the Bible says the law is no good. If you try to justify yourself with the law, you're condemned. So I'd recommend not doing that. Uh, because you don't want to be condemned. The Bible says that very clearly, okay? But that doesn't mean there's no such thing as good and bad, right? Like there would be no need for any scripture or no need for any, even Jesus, if good and bad weren't real things. You would just go through this life saying, eh, whatever, none of it matters. You know, Craig and Hody aren't going to have this podcast here saying, oh, just do whatever you want, you know, whatever. Like, eh, all sin's the same. Judgment's the same, homosexual says. same. No, 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 none of that. It's the way you need to think about sin needs to change. The way you need, like, especially Christians right now, when we talk about, like, ah, oh, these people trying to cross our border, let's punish them, right? That needs to change, right? That is a sin. <laughs> that's, a very, that's a huge problem, okay? And how do you do that then if we're not going to have some law that says, well, the law can say it's okay to cross the border. The law can say it's not okay to cross the border. The law can say it's okay to hear, but not to be over here. How do we do this? Well, this is a very Western thing, and again, you need to shake it right? Like stop thinking of everything in terms of black and white. One of, I think the most important scripture in the entire Bible for us to understand right now is the one of the ox in the mire, the ox in the pit. When the Pharisees confront Jesus and they're like, you're healing on the Sabbath. And guys, this is blatantly, this is another reason I talk trash about the law a lot. That is blatantly against the law. Right? You are supposed to count the number of steps you take to the synagogue and back. You are supposed to do nothing but worship on the Sabbath. You're not even supposed to be out in the streets doing anything, right? On the Sabbath. And the Pharisees think they got Jesus dead to rights here because he's blatantly breaking the law. And Jesus doesn't deny it. He doesn't deny it. He's like, yeah, I'm breaking the law. Hey, if you had an ox stuck in a mire, if you had an ox that's drowning in a pit, right? Would you save it or would you let it die? If it was on the Sabbath and all the Pharisees agree. Yeah, we'd save the ox, right? We'd break the law, right? But Jesus doesn't condemn them. He's not saying he's he's condemning them for being hypocrites, but he doesn't condemn them for saying they'd save an animal. What Jesus is pointing out is he'd say, you'd save your animal because it's your thing. You're not going to save these people because they're not your thing. That's your problem. These people aren't yours, right? You're not your brother's keeper anymore right? These people aren't yours. The ox is yours. I'll save my ox. I'll break the Sabbath to save my ox, but I won't break the Sabbath to heal a human being, right? To Jesus, I'm my brother's keeper. That's mine, right? The ox is mine too. You're okay for saving the ox. He's pointing out, he's trying to create some humanity in the Pharisees here, right? By saying, when you see an animal drowning, save it. Yes, you can point to Christians do this all the time. We point to some, whatever Bible verse we want to say, oh, you're technically not supposed to do that. The Bible's not there to be technical. The Bible is there to kind of give you these baby steps until you can absorb the message of the good news and go out and execute on that. If you're the type of person that allows an animal to drown to death because it's the Sabbath, you may be fulfilling the law of the scriptures, but you are not fulfilling the example that Christ set, right? Christ. Breaks the law. This is so important because it's one of the Ten Commandments, right? And then the Ten Commandments go on to get defined even further. How do you keep the Sabbath holy? He breaks it to do the right thing. This happens over and over in the Scriptures. There's people who tell lies to save somebody else because they're because they're looking to get murdered, right? And they're like, "Oh, he's not here right now." This happens with King with David, right? And the wife said, "Oh, he's not here right now." And God blesses that. He blesses a lie. Well, you're not supposed to lie. Well, you're not supposed to let people get murdered. The point isn't the law. The point is doing the right thing. The whole purpose. What's the purpose of the Holy Spirit? If we just keep going back to the law over and over, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to say, this is a complex world. The Bible would just be one sheet. If it was all about just laws, it might be one sheet of sheet of don't do this, I guess. Right. But that's, that's not it. The world's complex. We tell stories and parables because the world is complex and we explore all these things. How do you deal with a prodigal son that you love who's going out and making mistakes and you know, they're making mistakes. How does that look? If you're the father watching one of your kids stay home and do the right thing and watching another one go out and do the wrong thing. It hurts. It's hard, right? Right. And that's okay for it to be hard, but it's not okay for that hardness to turn you into a hardened heart, a cynic, a, a, an, a hateful, judgmental person, right? So we have these scriptures to help guide us on this path, but ultimately it needs to become a transformation in the heart, because how is it that we're judged when we get, what, what gets your name in the Lamb's book of life? Your heart, the transformation of your heart. How much have you changed? How much have you become that new creation? You know, And for me, that is just so huge to just say, yeah, I broke the law because I did what was right. How do you know it's right? It's not in the scriptures. I know it's right because I have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because God says it, because I look into the eyes of a drowning animal or a man with leprosy. And I say, I don't want that anymore. How can you look at somebody who is trans and thinking about killing themselves? and say, oh, sorry, this is some law. I think I can interpret it this weird way. No, Jesus Christ broke the law to heal people. Would you follow the law to hurt them? I don't care how Christian you think that is. It's not. It's what gets you in danger of counsel. You know, this is, and for me, that's the message of Jesus Christ. That's the good news right? I'm preaching this and I don't want to preach this like hellfire because that's not what you're supposed to preach. The gospel is good news. This is great news. All that hate that you are holding on to, you can let go of it. All those laws that you struggle with, abandon them. Jesus Christ abandons a law that was etched by God in stone because he wants to heal people. So if Jesus Christ will abandon a law, then you can do it too. That's the example. That's the good news. Do not be constrained by the Bible. Your love is supposed to be unleashed by the Bible. And that to me is the message of Jesus Christ that we really need to
1: absorb. I'm going to go into uh, the church of Holy John's from now on. Folks, I don't know if y'all felt like y'all just got preached to. I felt like I just got preached to. And that was freaking beautiful, dude. That was awesome. I... I love your passion and I love the way you just you just preached. I was like, hey, "Amen, you know, I was going to I don't speak in tongues. But I was like, maybe I can start speaking in tongues because this is awesome, you know, but I that was that was great, dude. And, and before I let you go, and this is off topic, I want you to tell me a little bit about your journey of learning how to smoke these delicious meats. I've watched you on social media. I've watched you talk about this and me being from, and before I let you go, I'm gonna let, I want you to plug whatever you want to plug. But I've watched these posts that you've. It's, it's like you're you're learning and you're doing all this stuff. And me being from West Texas, I'm very critical of smoked meat. You know, like people. I live in Memphis now, so there's barbecue. You got North Carolina barbecue. You got Kansas City barbecue and all this stuff. But being from West Texas, we're very critical of smoked meats without any sauce. You know, it's all the, all the the beautifulness of how you smoke a meat. But I've watched your post about this and I'm thinking, I need to go. You're in Utah, right? I want to go to Utah and eat some of uh, Hody's beautiful smoked meats because (laughs) like I said, I can be very critical and very judgmental, not Christ-like about smoked meats. But I I think it's very cool that, that, that that how you've kind of, it looks like it. I, maybe I'm interpreting it wrong, or maybe I'm seeing it wrong. But it looks like it's something new to you, and you've 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 started learning this, as, 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 and it's become a process for you. And you, you seem so excited about it. And I think there's nothing more exciting than smoked meats. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about that before I let you go. We are two birds of a
0: feather, my friend, because I am uh, <laughs> I am all in on it. I, I. Wasn't even the biggest barbecue fan. I kind of started touching up on it um, out of work during COVID. I worked at a restaurant, so obviously that was uh, no good. I ended up obviously becoming a writer, actually, because of the shutdown. I wanted to do something, and I shot for a dream job and got it. Um, But during that time, I decided to pick up the hobby of smoking meats, you know, and it was trendy, and I wanted to learn about it. and, uh, And goodness, it's so incredible, I think... It's one of those things that has made me a better person, and that sounds crazy. But I think when you learn the process of smoking meats, you truly are learning to be a student. I think that's kind of what got me into this religious thing that I'm even in today, is that when I try to be a master of the meat, tell the meat what to do, make the meat do something, that's when you butcher it. That's when you burn it. That's when you dry it out. That's when Because you try to make it do something. Whereas instead, if you if you allow yourself to learn from the meat, maybe it's not even doing something that you like doing. Right? We all know they cook at different rates. Sometimes you buy a couple of chicken breasts, and for whatever reason, those dried out in three seconds. Or you'll buy a few chicken breasts, and these were, you know, they're still raw on the inside after twelve minutes. And you're like, oh my goodness. That by learning to be kind of a student of barbecue is really what led me to actually kind of like this really philosophical journey that I'm on. So I owe barbecue a great debt uh, for what I've been into. Um, It's actually a really cool community, too. Um, Obviously, every community has some toxicity. But in a world where it feels like if you're looking for a non-toxic community, barbecue is a really cool place to be Um, because everybody's a student. All the good ones are students right? Everybody's kind of proposing this, man, this keeps happening to me. This keeps happening. Um, <clears throat> recently ranked, uh, by, I think it was a uh, Texas magazine, Jerby's barbecue, uh, or a uh, Goldie's barbecue. And, uh, he, it was ranked the number one in Texas and even they have mistakes, Where they're just like, ah, I didn't get a very good smoke ring here. Right. Like, and, and they, they question and they even ask others and they seek guidance guys. If the best barbecue joint is asking questions, the best barbecue joint in Texas is asking questions about how to smoke meat. It's a really cool thing. So for me, it was just a whole lot of, there was a lot of openness to it and there's a lot of uniqueness and availability for personal flair. Um, you're really blessed to have having been in Texas and Memphis two really cool places for barbecue, but the barbecue is really different in those regions. And And even then you can find a Memphis joint in Texas and you can find a Texas joint in Memphis, right? So like, it's still cool because like the appreciation, there is kind of no end for it. And I think that that's deeply ingrained in the nature of barbecue itself. Uh, Barbecue actually comes from the poorest, every time you get, you talk about these slow cooked meats, it's always from the poorest segments of society because they get, what is barbecue generally? Brisket. Brisket is a terrible cut of meat. I've been a meat cutter It's terrible cut. It's tough. It's fatty. It's rough. It is not good, right? The process of barbecue is not taking a good cut of meat and just keeping it good and not wrecking it. It's the process of taking something terrible and transforming it into something unbelievable, right? I think it's amazing that me, I'm at this point now where I prefer a good brisket
1: over a filet mignon. Oh, man. I got to tell you, that that's like when it comes to like Texas... Meats—it's all based around beef. And if you if you look at the history of brisket, brisket's my favorite. It is a terrible cut of beef, right? Literally. But if it's cooked right, it is the best thing you'll ever put in your mouth. And when you think about the history of brisket, this this kind of meat was given to the cowboys, the cowhands, on these cattle drives because it was the leftovers. That that, you know the elites didn't want it, so they left it to the cowboys and the cowhands eat. And these cowboys figured out how to cook it and. It's the to me. It's the best. If it's cooked right, is the best cut kind of beef that out there because that's one. That's one piece of meat that I'm very critical of. Like I like you know grilling a grilling a, a ribeye. I'm am I'm a huge fan of ribeyes. Right. Everybody loves ribeye. But if you can take a brisket and you can cook it right, there's nothing more delicious that you will put in your mouth. I promise you. And it's so funny that you brought that up. That you know the poor segments of, of society. T- took this and made it the best thing ever, you know. In, in Memphis, it's all based, you know. In Memphis, North Carolina, Kansas City, it's all based around like pork. In Texas, it's all based around beef. So there's your difference right there. And I think I told you on, on one of your posts about uh something you were. I don't remember what you were smoking or what you were cooking. But I said like, you got to try it with some mesquite wood, man, because in w- in West Texas, we we have mesquite trees all over the place, and we cut them and we would we would we would smoke our meats with this mesquite wood and you cannot get a better flavor on a piece of meat than you can with mesquite wood i Ugh. i will i will argue until the day i die about this there's no nothing better than mesquite wood when it comes to smoking meat.
0: Isn't it unbelievable that mesquite's kind of like the redheaded stepchild a little bit that it's yes. like, it,
1: it, it's a terrible looking tree? It's it's oh, it's, it's, it's a, it's a it, it looks awful out there. It's a weed of a but tree. It's so delicious. <laughs> yes. it's, a,
0: it's a weed of a tree. It's my, my mom actually is in uh Arizona and she uh she they grow there and they're like they have problems with them. They got to chop them down. And I'm lucky enough that she comes from there because I I can get access to mesquite or whatever. It's Mesquite's unbelievable. Best flavor you get by a lot um, when it comes to smoke. And for me, before I leave mesquite, I would sooner, like if it's too powerful or too strong, I would sooner use mesquite and then pull it off earlier than not use mesquite. And I'm telling you, I've tried, and, and this is no disrespect. I've tried hickory, applewood, cherry, pecan. These are great woods, right? Like, and you should like one of the great things about barbecue is this exploration process of trying things out and saying that worked and that didn't. But I'm telling you, uh, I found this. I found that mesquite was my wood very early on uh, because I, I I wanted to try them all. I think I started with hickory and then I did apple because those are the big two that are recommended. And, and, you know, my family and I were just kind of like, we just kind of wanted a little more smoky. I know we're leaving on here, but we just want a little more spice, a little pizzazz, you know? And I did the, the mesquite and it was just like, especially because, I mean, especially with slow cooked barbecue meats, you're using big hunks, right? So like when people are like, I just want a little bit, it's like, well, that's, you're already getting very little because there's so f- there's only so much surface area that you have. There's a lot of interior area. Mesquite is, I mean, it penetrates. It's just if you want a good smoke ring, that's one of the few things I've mastered. Again, follow me on on the social media. I'm sure you, once a month at least you'll get something about about it. But I, uh,
1: I'm, going to, uh, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to come to Utah and see you and Karen. I know Karen's out there as well, and I'm going to come visit y'all. While I'm out there, I want to I want some of this uh, beautiful smoked meats that hold eat those on the grill. At, I want I want I want to try it because and hey, I'm gonna judge it. That's my nature when it comes to smoked meats. But I'm pretty sure it looks delicious. I'm pretty sure you got it going on when it comes to this. But before I let you go and, and let you get back to your family, go ahead and plug whatever you want to plug, and I'll let you get out of here.
0: Yeah. You know, Hody Johns, H-O-D-E-Y, last name Johns, J-O-H-N-S. Follow me on social media. Um, I I have a lot of different interests. Uh, So you're going to find everything from barbecue to video game, to writing, to politics, to religion. Um, And if that sounds like something that's your speed, please give me a follow. If you're only interested in one thing or the other, just please reach out to me. I'm still very accessible. Um, I am getting to the point uh, my articles, actually, last month, we're getting like forty thousand clicks a day, uh, unique views a day. So I am getting uh, a little busy, but I'm never too busy, especially for conversation about faith. Um, if you're ever struggling with something, I'm not going to come at you as a master. I'm going to come at you as a fellow student, fellow traveler. I have my my faith journey has accelerated as I've decreased my arrogance. As I've said, maybe I was wrong about that. Maybe I'm going to be more open about that. And I just think if you are one of those people and you just got questions or you just want to connect with somebody who you feel like you're on the same wavelength, there's a lot of, there is a shocking number of Christians out there who fell out with their faith and are returning to their faith when they find out the Bible didn't really say what those people said it said. And Jesus Christ didn't behave the way those people said it said. And so... I think if you are looking for a crowd that's like that, you've obviously got a home in the bad Roman discussion group. Like that work's already been done for me. But if you just want another person, another contact to reach out to, to just say like, Hey, I got these questions and I know they aren't welcome in church, but I need somebody to talk to. Yeah. Just please reach out to me. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram.
1: I love it, man. And I I keep doing what you're doing. I, I, I always look forward to your, your Facebook posts, you know, and I don't always engage it, but I am reading them. And but, I, but I, what I like to do is go through the thread and see how you're engaging folks and answering their questions because they people do have questions for you when you when you do make posts like we talked about today. And and I love that you are so accessible that you will engage them back and you'll have this conversation with them because it's important to you and it's important enough to them that they're asking questions even if they come at you cross, you know. But you you still engage them and, and you're very polite about it and you're very you show the love of Christ when you're engaging folks, even if y'all disagree. And I think that's beautiful. And I just keep doing what you're doing, man. I, I really appreciate folks like you that it really makes my job a little easier because doing this podcast and, and starting this project, I've got some pushback from folks and you know, you've got, you get pushback. It is very encouraging to me to see folks like Hody making posts and, and talking about these things. Then I don't have to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't have to bring it up because Hody's already brought it up. And if I can direct people to Hody, I was like, I don't want to, you know, it's not that I don't want to engage it. I don't want to talk to you about this, but this guy's got it going on. Go, go, go check out Hody. And uh, man, I want to do this again. I want to get you back on because I think there's some other things that we touched on that we could make a whole nother episode about.
0: I really like that, Craig. I, I feel bad. I was so late for the party because what you guys are doing is what uh, I am all about it. And maybe it's just maybe I only found it because I'm finally approaching this journey with questioning things and, and looking at things differently. Maybe that's just how I came across y'all. But it's been uh, it's been a real honor knowing you and getting to know uh, the group. Like you said, like posting these questions, you know, cha- challenging. They say that the the toughest job of a preacher is to bring to bring discomfort to the comforted (laughs) and bring comfort to the discomforted at the same time. You do a really good job of it. You know, let's challenge the Christians that need to be challenged myself included. Nobody's excluded from this, you know, and let's bring that healing and that comfort to the people who are really in need. And that can be a tough thing because people get so hooked on the discomfort or comfort and they, and it's like, you gotta be careful. You know, audience matters. Jesus talking to the Pharisees is not as loving as Jesus talking to the Gentiles. There's a reason for that, you know, and and uh, you do a really good job of it. So yeah, you keep it up too, man. I guess is all I'm trying to say. I really love it.
1: Well, I, I really appreciate that. that. Means a lot. That really means a lot to me. You know, it it sometimes it feels like it gets lonely out there. So I really do appreciate the words of encouragement. But I, I that means uh, so much to me. And I really do appreciate your your words of encouragement. But let's yes, let's do this again. Go back to your family. Go uh, go smoke something beautiful with some mesquite wood and. And tell me how it is
0: thanks for joining us this week on the bad roman podcast be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcasts to never miss an episode and while you're at it if you like what you heard we'd appreciate a rating on itunes or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show it really helps people find us 100 of donations are given to local charities in memphis tennessee To learn more about The Bad Roman
1: Project and to find show notes, please visit thebadroman.com.